Welcome to the Geek Teague Podcast, where thunderstorms are rolling in, so excuse me if I thunder at you guys tonight. Um, I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beej. Hey! <laughs> no thunderstorm comment? Okay. Um, I, know, to- I couldn't think of one. That's why you got what you got. I know. Today, uh, we're talking about nothing related to thunderstorms. We're talking about a spoiler culture, because this came up a couple weeks ago, and we realized it could probably be its own topic, so we broke it off to be its own topic. Yeah, we were talking about Endgame, and we were just speaking about how all of, like, even Marvel was in on avoiding spoilers. Like, they didn't release trailers and put a spoiler warning in front of Spider-Man trailers, and it just got us thinking about this. And we had so many things to say that it was, you're welcome, so you get this now. Yeah, so um, let's talk about it, right? Like, do spoilers ruin things? You know, knowing the end of something or getting, like, a big uh, story beat spoiled for you. And just spoiler culture in general. You know, that's kind of where I wanted to start. Like, why is it such a thing now? Because I feel like it didn't used to be such a big issue. And the first time I ever remember it coming up was harry potter and the half-blood prince when that came out and there was like midnight releases for it and people were like you know driving around yelling at people in book lines like with spoilers and stuff that's like the first time i remember it so i wonder if it's partially because of social media and more connectedness and the internet but like that was before social media was super huge the way it is now yeah i mean that was during like i know we were on well, that was when You're the Man Now Dog was a thing, because I don't know if you remember that when the YMNTD or uh, YNTND, it doesn't matter, it's the acronym, but that was how I got Harry Potter spoiled for me, was just these weird little sound bites uh, back where we had, like, I, we might have been on MySpace at that point, but it was not a big thing then. I remember it first back with The Sixth Sense. Do you remember any of that going around uh, when it was going on? Like people wouldn't talk about what happened in the sixth sense until you saw it. No, that's a good point. I remember that vaguely. And maybe this is just like when I got to a certain age where I was more sensitive to it, because I mean, we know spoilers have been a thing all the way back to probably forever. Like, you know, it just makes sense. And there's other examples earlier in culture and like pop culture. I mean, Star Wars, right? Like Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Huge spoiler. People got spoiled and some people didn't and some people worked really hard to preserve it like there are examples that go far back and i can't think of any before really that that i was well not necessarily star wars but like the sixth sense like i didn't care or know back then maybe it was because of the way that media was that if there was something in a magazine that you saw that would spoil something like that was it like you didn't have to worry about like Game of Thrones now that during the episode people are posting spoilers for it that that you can't do anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Because like I feel like the first time I ever saw this or thought about it was like Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Like that was the probably spoiler moment for me that was cultural mm-hmm. cultural, but now it's so fast and the turnaround times are so fast and like, I, I I, mean, yeah, you're right. People even post in the middle of an episode. But, you know, that's kind of, even with Game of Thrones, in the middle of an episode, that's kind of like reactions type of thing. I yeah. feel like the true spoilers where you're like, let's talk about the main thing that happened in this episode and what it means. All bets are off like one hour after the show is available. And yeah. it feels like 
and I know this is true too, because like I understand how newsrooms work and how like journalism works and how traffic and clicks and like that business model. They have people on staff that are just sitting there ready to watch the show and immediately write up a story right afterwards that has yep. things that are relevant to the episode because they want to get indexed first on Google. And and it works. Like it works. It does work, and it it makes me mad because I hate that kind of media. That kind of media journalism is what made me stop reading a lot about pop culture because instead of having different kinds of commentary about it, it was all super fast, get this up as quickly as we can recaps, and it wasn't interesting for me. That It's not as though... I mind. It's not as though I mind getting spoiled because on most things, it's a eh thing for me. But there are some things that I really care about, like Game of Thrones that I've invested a lot of time in, like Endgame, where I've invested this time. And it's like I can't even look up anything regarding this show or movie before it comes out without seeing any kind of spoiler like i'll be spoiled by the main things that are going on if i try to even look up an actor for this it's interesting i feel like game of thrones like i would see headlines and twitter and like articles just right away all the time i feel like endgame was actually a little bit better about it even the articles that came out they would tend to have non-spoilery titles and they would be like huge spoiler warnings and like if you go beyond this point you're gonna get things you don't want um even Disney was good. They, But it's interesting, right? Because Disney officially had um, a, like a full spoiler date that they said. Mm-hmm. Like after this date, everyone's allowed to talk about everything. And it was only two weekends after the movie came out. Like yep. it wasn't a whole lot of time, right? The movie opened on a Thursday night, Friday night, whatever they technically consider it. And then not that Monday, but the Monday after is when it was like, you're free to talk about everything. And I guess they're the kind of people, they're the kind of people like Disney as a whole is the kind of people who think about it like if you're the kind of person who cares about spoilers, if you really, really don't want to get spoiled, you're going to go to the theater as soon as you can to see this rather than waiting and uh, complaining about other people spoiling it. That if you're that invested in it, you're going to go within the two major weekends of of both money and uh, when people are still excited about it. That's that during that period of excitement still. So that's generally the way I look at stuff like that, where there's a there's definitely a statute of limitations on it. Like I will I will definitely do my best not to spoil things for people up to a certain point but it's a lot longer than two weeks generally yeah it's i will go out of my way for myself if i really don't want to be spoiled on something i'll make sure that i see it on opening night or opening weekend or the first night it hits streaming or something like that if i really truly care because that's that's i don't know it feels like you have to do that like you can't really stay spoiler free and be 100 percent sure about it unless you're there right at the beginning and it ties into the fact that i like to be part of the conversation too when it comes to pop culture and media and the types of stuff that we talk about on this show basically i like to be there when new things are happening um but you know it it's pretty rare for me like Endgame was a huge one. Uh, Game of Thrones, I was watching it on Sunday nights right when it came out. You know, uh, any new Star Wars movie, I want to be there right away. Oh, but, of course. Yeah. That, but, that To me, that one goes without saying. Yeah. And it's like there's not a whole lot else. You know, those are kind of it. Like most other things, I don't mind spoilers as much. But there's weird stuff going on right now, too. Like Final Fantasy VII is such a strange situation that we should probably talk about, right? 
And so, like, this, I never even thought about this, okay? So, like, I've seen so many people freaking out about people talking about Final Fantasy VII being spoiled for them because they've never been able to play it. And I understand the idea that this is a game that is 25 years old now, 20 years old. I don't it's honestly over 20 remember. years, that's for sure. I was 14, so how, 22 years, I guess. And so, it when it, when it came out. So, like, this game to me is, to me especially, is I knew what was going on. I knew the big spoiler within a few days of it being released 22 years ago. And now I'm, like, seeing people say, like, you can't spoil this. You're, I can't believe you're posting this kind of thing. I've never been able to play this game because they weren't born yet at that point. And I do see their point on this. But the game itself has existed so long that if you really, really care about spoilers, and you're really the kind of person who doesn't want anything spoiled that you probably would have played it by now given that it's been available on pretty much every platform up to this point i mean this is not the first generation of platforms that has gotten final fantasy 7 it's been on pc forever well and you can have such more interesting conversations if you get to compare it to what came before right like yeah. We're getting a complete remake of a story and a game that is a huge cultural touch point that tons of people love. And I want to talk about it in its entirety, right? Like, I, yeah, if it's different, right? If we're talking on this show, like, I feel free to talk about anything Final Fantasy VII. It's been out for over 20 years. Like you said, if you're going to play it, there are so many systems you can play it on. There's no excuse not to just go play it right now. But it's also different if, um, if like, I had a friend that I know they're excited for like the FF7 remake because they got to Final Fantasy later in life and they've never seen anything around Final Fantasy 7, I won't spoil them. Like I won't be mean no. about it, right? I'm not going to go out of my way for one person specifically, but I'm also not going to pretend like everybody needs to be insulated from it because that's just unrealistic. Yeah, I mean that that is exactly how I feel. I'm not going to spoil it for one person if I know that say I don't know. I, let's say that Troy has never played Final Fantasy 7 and he doesn't know what goes on in it. I'm not going to say what happened to him. I'm not going to go out of my way when we're having a discussion and talk about any character's deaths or anything at all. But if I am talking in general about the Final Fantasy 7 remake, I'm going to talk about that I expect them not to kill her and that they're going to hopefully kill someone else. And to be able to turn on the fans like I will talk openly about it uh, in general, but not to a specific person, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And so, I mean, I guess this kind of brings us to like, where do you and I sit with spoilers? And I think we've talked around this and I know we've mentioned little bits and pieces over time, but kind of what I said a few minutes ago, you know, for me, there's a few big exceptions where I really try to like preserve myself from spoilers and if that's the case, I will go out of my way to make sure I get to them early and yeah. then I don't have to worry about it. So it's like, you know, uh, Marvel, like the big Marvel movies, like I don't care about most of them, but, you know, like Endgame and Infinity War were two of them. Um, you know, Game of Thrones has always been one and Star Wars and not not much else beyond that for me. And that being said, I will go out of my way to help other people avoid spoilers. I don't mind talking around something like if I'm in the office or if I'm talking to somebody, you know, even if it's 20 years later and it's Final Fantasy seven and I know they haven't played it and they intend to. Mm -hmm. I have no problem accommodating that um, when it's like one person one on one. But for me personally, 
if it's not one of those huge exceptions where I 100% don't want to be spoiled, um, which is few and far between for me, I will actively go out of my way to seek spoilers because I'm not always convinced that something is interesting enough for me to go and give it my time because my time is like the most premium thing that I have right now. I just don't have enough of it. And looking up spoilers has convinced me to watch more movies and play more games than I would have if I avoided them. And that's just kind of where I am at this point in life. That's a really interesting look at it because there's actually a there was actually a study. I want to say it was like four or five years ago that was published, maybe even sooner than that, maybe even later. You know what I mean? It may not have been that far back where they did a a study on people's reactions to movies and supposedly knowing what happened ahead of time. uh, They said that it increased their enjoyment of that movie that uh, subjectively when they were watching it they did it between two groups of people who they uh, talked about what happened at the end of this movie and told them everything that happened with a synopsis and then showed them the movie versus people who went in blind and the people who knew the spoilers enjoyed the movie more when they came out than the people who uh, didn't because while they knew what to expect they were they were the kinds of uh, viewers who weren't tense about it like they were able to pay more attention to details and relax while watching it and get that enjoyment out of it instead of sitting on the edge of your seat just waiting it's like our first viewing of endgame where where we're all like I have to see that again because I know I miss so much just being so tense it's uh that there was actually a, a psychological study done about that. Oh, totally. And I mean, when I see, like, you know that I listen to, like, so many podcasts, right? Because oh, yeah. I have time during every single day where I am busy with, like, my body and my hands and doing other stuff, but I'm not necessarily busy with my mind, like, when I'm driving or when I'm doing a bunch of housework or making dinner for the kids. And this stuff piles up, right? I have two kids and a house to maintain. And so... I listen to podcasts every day. I'm subscribed to, I think, around 70 every week right now is what comes into my feed. And every single time, that's a different conversation, (laughs) but (laughs) every single time that an episode comes through and it says spoiler cast, I am so excited for that because it's like they're going to do a deep dive on something that I don't know about. I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to see if this sounds like something for me. And I know that every time one comes up, I listen I don't, the only like concrete example that's coming to mind off the top of my head is one of my favorite books ever at this point. The Martian is one Mm -hmm. that I never would have given a second look to if I hadn't listened to a spoiler cast on it. Wow. Really? Oh yeah. I love that novel and I love the audiobook and like, it's so good and the movie's good too, but mostly the, the novel side of it. And it was a deep dive spoiler cast that actually got me interested in that book. Like I would not have given it the time of day, but it was a podcast that I listened to. A spoiler cast came up. I listened to it and I was like, this sounds like something I need to go and check out. And that would be something that I would not have listened to that one because I would have heard so many good things just in general about the book that I wouldn't have listened to that uh, and and paid any attention to it. Because when I watched it or when I read the, the book, it was because I'd heard generalized good things, but knew nothing specific about it other than like its backstory, that he was a self-published author and he had done all this math and everything himself. So that's what got me into it. I don't know if I would have read it if I had known how it ended because that wasn't the interesting part to me but it still kept I don't know that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense like 
it wasn't the important part, but it kept me listening to it during the boring parts, wanting to know how he, how all of this played out. Okay, I mean, I could see that one for that, but like in general, with ev- like all the things, right? I feel like you're plugged into pop culture in a totally different way than I am. How do you right. feel about spoilers? Okay, so spoilers are 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 an odd thing for me. The way that I classify spoilers, like when. I care about something that I don't want to be spoiled on. Like I actively avoid them whenever there is something that I want to go in fresh with that. If it's a movie that I'm really excited for, if it's a book coming out, a video game release, I will actively avoid pretty much every spoiler that I can. I don't even want to hear if it is generally well received, like stuff like the Martian where I've I've heard good things about it and then go to it. That's completely different because I haven't already got a set of, expectations there that i haven't hyped myself up for it for some reason but if i'm excited going into it say for a movie a video game whatever i don't want to know whether people have liked it or not i don't want to know what my friends have thought about it i don't want to know what the internet thought about it i don't look at the tomato meter i don't look at reviews i want to go in as blank as possible if I want to go see it ahead of time. But if it's something that I'm just like, eh, kind of ambivalent about, I really don't care. I'll watch trailers. I'll read articles. I'll pay attention to some spoiler stuff. If I find out what happens, I have no problem with stuff like that. Because if I'm not, if it's not something that I am straight up waiting on and excited to see. So it depends on uh, your level of hype and interest. It sounds like. Yeah, it really does. Like, uh, Some of my geekery this week uh, was John Wick. I finally got around to watching John Wick. I knew what John Wick was about going in, and that's what actually made me want to watch the movie overall. But uh, like John Wick 3, John Wick 2 and 3 now, I don't know what happens in those movies, and so I'm looking for nothing on them. Like I won't look anything up about the first one until I've seen the next two because I, I liked it so much that I want to see the others with a fresh take because I only knew stuff about the first one totally that no i mean i i get that i think i do that to some extent once i'm into something you know like i won't be halfway through a book series or halfway through a movie series and then go look up spoilers you know once you're into it if you've managed to avoid them just kind of randomly by then right you want to preserve that for yourself yeah that's pretty much the way it is i want to preserve that for myself but pretty much everything i'm gonna watch trailers like there's a big difference to me in trailers and like scenes and snippets and excerpts where i'll watch any trailer out there I don't consider trailer spoilers, and I know that there are a lot of people who do, but because so much of it is shot for the trailers themselves or it's put together and edited in a way or edited in a way that the scenes just don't exist like that in the movie, or maybe they use different takes than the uh, the actual movie. I like to look at that stuff kind of as, as additional content that I wouldn't get to see otherwise, because like my favorite line out of The Force Awakens is not from the force awakens it's from the trailer when han says Chewie, we're home the take they use in the trailer is different than the movie and it's better i think it is better in pretty much every way even it would have been better in the the movie but uh that is my favorite part about the force awakens and it's not in the movie so if i'd been the kind of person who avoided all things and wanted to go in completely 100% fresh, I would have missed that and not had that kind of just emotional attachment to uh, to that movie nearly as much. That's so interesting. Yeah, we're coming at it from such different 
places. But I, I totally see where you're coming from, too. And I think, like, everybody lands in their own place with spoilers. So we always try to give spoiler warnings, even if we don't think it's a huge thing, just because for some people it is. Um, right. So we'll we'll keep doing that going forward. But, yeah, this definitely was not a conversation we could have in the, like, three minutes we had left when we were doing that other main topic. Where we put not this at to all. The side. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's take a break to do our geeky offer of the week. This week we have PodCoin again. Okay, guys. So I know I've gotten good feedback from a lot of you on PodCoin. And what this is is a podcast app that you can look for our podcast, for other podcasts, anything that you're listening to, and you will get paid for it. You build up points, and then you can call PodCoins, and then you can redeem them for gift cards or donate them to that month's charity. Um, It's really interesting because it's kind of social. You get to see what people are listening to and they're about to implement a lot of the features that people are wanting right now you cannot listen with increased speed and it doesn't have auto download but i got a survey today about them looking into that Uh, so so it is a very good service it is only improving and right now it is my go-to podcast player personally because i figure if i'm going to listen to something i might as well get paid for it so it's really good you should check it out and many improvements are to come so it's a podcoin app on twitter uh you can look at it and then if you sign up there is a referral code of geek g-e-e-k and you can use that and you'll get a bonus and so will we sweet cool um around the network this week on geekitude joe and ray had their second episode about marvel phase four which was more of a deep dive and i I just loved it they said they were going to take a break for a couple weeks and then come back around to this after spider-man far from home just to see like what else they can glean after that movie's out um tea time with katie and chelsea they had an episode on selena and then of course capsule j is streaming tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m eastern and sometimes thursdays and weekends i know that jay is going to be doing the final fantasy four job fiesta so i'll be talking about that but that'll be a good place if you want to see some like streaming video of it actually happening um capsule j is a great place to go and then troidal is streaming thursdays and sometimes randomly after dinner as he usually does and on the geekery this week we have the austin's dragon quest quest blog where he's talking about dragon quest 5 still and the 13th story did not get a new post this week because life happens sometimes and uh, we know how that is but you can go back and read some of the older posts uh like what's wrong with game journalism and get some really cool stuff um additionally we have have an email list that we would love for you to subscribe to at geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe. We do monthly giveaways for people who are subscribers as well as followers of the geek to geek Media account on Twitter and uh, who RT our stuff, uh, the, the particular giveaway post. But email subscribers automatically get entry into the, into the giveaways. And this month we gave away a Steam link. So I have no idea what the June one is going going to be but uh we give away cool stuff so you can go subscribe to the email list for that too sweet and with that it's time for our weekly geekery where we geek out about what we've been geeking out that's not how this goes i'm gonna roll with it anyway (laughs) we do geeky stuff and then we talk about it what did you do this week (laughs) that's the best way to put it i think that we've done so far um well about an hour and a half before we started recording this persona q2 was delivered to my house uh today is the release of the probably the last major 3ds game i guess is the way to to phrase it because i don't know of any other major 3ds games that are being released it's kind of a dead system after today um 
wonderful system. Still love it. We have a deep dive. Go back and listen. But uh, I played it just a little bit and uh, just to see what it was. It's very pretty. It is definitely very Persona 5. They took the stylishness from that and put it on the 3DS, which is great. It has 3DS versions of all the music that uh, was awesome on the PS4. And um, this is without the lyrics and stuff like that. It has Japanese voice acting because they didn't localize the voice acting and I can't say I blame them. And and I got the, the the premium edition, so it comes with an art book and some pens and a, a little plush of the dog from from Persona 3, and it's really cool. And the art book and the game spoiled just a little bit of Persona 5 for me, and I thought it was interesting to talk about this because of our, our topic tonight, in that I was looking at it, and I found out that there are, are other characters that you gain into your party as phantom thieves and things like that, that I did not know about going in. I'm about halfway through the game. I'm in the middle of uh, Palace 3, and so I have a while to go, but it was things that I had expected. Two out of the three things that I learned just going in, I had expected it. So it wasn't a big surprise, but it was a spoiler, and I still want to go and play Persona 5, so how about that? That's <laughs> sweet. Oh, no, I'm glad it's good, but like you said, it's kind of interesting that it's that's the swan song of that system. Like, there's not a whole lot else coming out after that one. Yeah, and it's definitely an RPG that's not for everybody. It's a dungeon crawler. It's a dungeon mapper that has a first-person uh, view of going through the dungeons. You uh, you do the the battles like Etrian Odyssey, where it, it's mi- a mix between Persona and Etrian Odyssey with the way that you deal with with weakness and things like that it's really really interesting the way they've done the q series but it's it's super cool i do like it so far but yeah it's weird that this is kind of the swan song of the of the system and yesterday uh yeah it was yesterday i started listening to the adventure zone finally Good. That's like awesome. you've been telling me this what three years now something like over that. three years <laughs> Yep, And I finally went back to the very, very first episode. I didn't yeah. even listen. They have a super cut of the first episode. Didn't listen to it. I listened to the very first one that they released. And mm, okay. I, okay. It's and, a and, little rough. They, they did a 1.5 that basically takes that podcast, the episode one, and it just edits it down. It's not like a super cut so much as they just got better at editing uh, RPG podcasts. Right. So they cut out a lot of the extra like mechanical stuff. Okay, and that's what I actually figured it was, and that's why I didn't listen to it. I wanted to go back to the very beginning of it and see exactly what it was from the very start without worrying about that. And so now I've just moved on to episode two, which um, you know I have a couple of questions about this for uh, for you as we before we move along. So yeah, you told it. me that even in that editing part that they. Uh, they they don't go into nearly as much of the D&D mechanics. And even in episode two, they're still doing it a lot. They're talking about the roles. They're talking about AC and armor class and all this. Do they ever just move beyond that where it is just storytelling or is there always D&D in there? No, there's always D&D. And they, they strike this really cool balance where they, which is funny, that's the name of the whole arc, the balance arc. Um, they, <laughs> But they strike this good balance where they do a lot of story episodes and then they have what they call uh, actually not going to tell you the full name of it but they have an interlude type of episode um, because it's a spoiler I'm not going to tell you the full name of what those are called (laughs) but they have a specific name for these episodes that happen like between the arcs and they take an episode or two and they just do um, 
in between stuff. Like they know they're not going to move the story forward. They're going to be maybe like some minor hooks that will kind of get you into the next part or wrap up the last arc. But really it's an episode or sometimes two, but usually one solid long episode dedicated to like leveling up your characters and what does your character do in between and kind of doing that type of stuff. It's almost like housekeeping and maintenance, but in a very hmm. interesting way. And they still manage to tie it into the story. So okay. that's where they're like the most nitty gritty, but they never, there's never an episode where they don't do a role or don't use mechanics. Those are always part of it. They just right. get better at understanding the system and how to use it effectively for storytelling. Okay. Because I, I can see them being good storytellers and I've heard too many good things about it to to you know go in and be like these guys are idiots i'm not listening to this and and move on it's like i like this and i like the people like i will go in it's actually dirtier than i thought it was well not only, dirtier it's actually like the first arc because they didn't i've told you the story right the origin story of that podcast very vaguely it, well, well, I remember it very vaguely. You may have gone into detail, but I remember it very vaguely because talking to me is like talking to a brick wall. Okay, so <laughs> I don't agree with that, but um, they they have My Brother and My Brother and Me is their main podcast. Right. Their first podcast, it's like what they're most well-known for, right? And that right. is, uh, they call it an advice show for the modern era, but it's a comedy show. It, they just give bad advice and it's hilarious and they just like riff on each other and go from there. Like, it's hilarious. I love that podcast. So- the Adventure Zone was done because one of them was going to have paternity leave coming up and they needed some filler episodes. So they sat down and they recorded this for the My Brother, My Brother and Me podcast right. feed because they knew they would need to drop in something evergreen. And this is what they came up with. So yeah. a part of the first arc is that. And then what happened was they put it in the feed and then they got such incredible feedback about it that they spun it off into its own podcast and they picked up right where they left off so okay. they never redid what they had initially done but they didn't know what it was going to be or what they wanted it to be it was literally like just pick up the D fifth edition starter set and yeah just make some podcasts because we need these for the feed because one of the brothers is going to have paternity leave okay because I gathered that it was from uh, the Mabim Bam podcast, and the only reason I know what that is is because of you. Um, but well, I see it on Twitter, and I had no idea. Is that where the blame your brother thing comes from? I don't know what that one is. I've seen the hashtag blame your brother, and so I always thought it was from that podcast because of it being my brother, my brother, and me. But uh, but I, I knew it was from that, and the way that they were talking about, you know, the, there was kind of an intro to episode one that was talking about this is what showed up in that podcast feed, and we we moved it over here. But I didn't know why they did it. I actually don't still. Uh, I, my, my next one of my next questions was what exactly is Mabimbam about? Like I have no clue what these guys do because I knew, you, you said it was a comedy show. Yeah, I mean, it's styled like an advice show, but they basically use the questions as jumping off points for just, like, riffing. You know, it, okay. it's just, it's like improv comedy, but the structure that all of that improv comedy hangs on is advice questions from listeners and they grab them from yahoo answers and they have a bunch of other like recurring bits that they do during it um okay but it's just a comedy podcast okay now and that's what i was really curious about i didn't know if it was a pop culture thing if they were doing D D type uh type stuff anyway i was no, just curious about that no nope. um and 
And I'm also curious, like you may not know this, but I'm really, really curious on the business end. Like they have ads going on in in the Adventure Zone. They are monetizing this. They now have a comic book that I actually saw in the store the other day, in the bookstore that made me uh, actually start listening to this. But it's like, how do they get away with monetizing it? Like they're specifically using Dungeons and Dragons modules and stories that are copywritten, they're or copyrighted, and they are... Uh, using that particular thing by name how are they able to make money off of it being dungeons and dragons because i really can't wrap my mind around how that's legal um it's somewhat not in some places but i mean okay if i put on my media hat for a minute right because i started right. this type of stuff in and that's school. why i'm asking because i'm yeah. legitimately curious about this so the work that they're doing on it is transformative in a way that makes okay. it okay but the thing is, there are like copyrighted pieces of it where as soon as you go to like print that and like have right. it written out in exactly the same way, then you run into issues. So there are actually characters in the podcast that they have to rename for the graphic novel right. because okay. of that, because they run into copyright issues. But the story that they're telling, you probably can't tell yet because you're one episode in maybe two episodes in by the time they get to like episode four it's a completely different story from that module that it's based on like griffin makes it his own thing and he makes it his own thing really fast okay because that was i can see him definitely doing that so far like i can see them already taking it and i mean this is the kind of of show that i did not expect to be walking down the street like i've just been listening to this while i've gone out on long walks in the afternoon and i did not expect to laugh out loud at this that that this is way better than i anticipated it being i will give every listener out there and you the props for that because i did not expect to a podcast that would make me laugh out loud walking down the road uh but i'm probably looking like a complete goober to everybody around me yeah and i mean just wait until you're like five or six arcs into that story and then you're just crying out loud while you're walking down the street because of it like oh i'm sure i will it is it i I still am constantly amazed that it goes from them goofing off because they had to fill time because one of them was going to be on paternity leave. And it's like, it's raunchy and it's inappropriate and it's like too much swearing and joking around for the first arc that you're in right now. And where they end up by the time they wrap up with these characters and this story arc is just, it's like, it doesn't seem like you could get from point A to point B the way that they did, but somehow they manage it and it just feels organic. It's incredible. Okay. And so they, and it's not as though that even bothers me. I mean, I'm, I know we keep a clean podcast here, but that kind of thing really doesn't bother me. I just didn't expect it out of D and D that that was something that I wasn't uh, aware of that that was going on. But they do move past that. Oh yeah, they move way past that. That's only okay. the first few episodes. And then, are these the same characters that they use throughout all of the arcs, or do they change them? Because no, with it being the starter pack. Yeah, so this is the characters that they use for the balance arc, which is like six or seven or eight mini arcs that went on for like three years. So it's the characters they use for this entire campaign, which is like the balance campaign. Um, And then after that, they take a break and then they do a bunch of like experimental trying out other systems for what they want to do for the next major campaign. And then they start up another major campaign with all new characters in a completely different system that's not D&D. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought it was still in D&D. So that's neat. And uh, so, I've, like I said, I've really liked this. And I don't know if you've had this said to you before. I don't know if if you've noticed it. But Griffin reminds me so much of you. 
like just listening to him, his voice reminds me of yours, the humor that he uses. It's the way I imagine that you would run a D&D campaign. It's like the jokes, the, it's all of it. I'm like, man, these two people, they need to hang out. It's like, it's exactly what I would imagine you in like a, uh, a play cast like that. <laughs> I wouldn't mind hanging out with Griffin. He seems pretty cool, but... I would probably run my campaign similar to him. I think you're right on that account. Like I can just see like the way that he doesn't care about the menial stuff. Like, yeah, I don't care if you pick up the arrows. Like, yeah, you got arrows. Look at you. And uh, just like the everything about it, it's like, man, it's just like I'm hanging out with Void walking down the street. Only That's it's not Void. 100%. It's, it's see, Walmart my version of Void. The same problem that they had. I wouldn't know how to get started. But I feel like if I could ever manage to get started as a dungeon master... I would quickly spend a bunch of my free time building up the world and the story around it. I mean, you see what I do for the outlines for our show every week? That yeah. would exist except times 100 for a campaign that I was running, which is one of the reasons I'm kind of afraid to get into it. But it's also one of the reasons that my next bullet point exists. It makes me want to do a Star Wars Edge of the Empire playcast. And we were trying to do a play uh, a remote playthrough with Austin and my friend Barry uh, for a while and that kind of fell through so if you ever get the itch and you have time think about it because okay, DMing on that it. system is actually really cool uh, but it actually does listening to this makes me miss that kind of camaraderie and just laughing and doing that kind of thing uh, from tabletop games and uh, role play tabletop role playing specifically where I'm like these guys are doing something and I'm like that's not what I would have done in this situation and it's like I want to do it and I can't so it's uh, it, it makes me want to do it myself so that I can make these really stupid decisions and make other people angry with them well I hope um, you keep listening because I really want to know what you think once you're like three or four arcs into it because it changes a lot okay I'm, I'm i figured it did but that's why i wanted to actually talk about it because i've heard so much about it and then me being like two episodes into like what 130 150 of them that they've got it was like i want to i've got to talk about this and get some and know where this is going i need to get spoiled enough that i want to get <laughs> interested in it there you go tie um, it back so I also watched on Friday, Always Be My Maybe, the new uh, movie on Netflix that they released last week. Uh, it was fantastic. It's got, um, was I can't remember her name now, um, Ali Wong and uh, uh, Russell Park in it. It's a rom-com. Randall Park. Jennifer yelled at me the wrong, it was the wrong name. It has Ali Wong and Randall Park in it, and they're awesome. Like, it is a great movie. Like, you haven't seen this yet? No, I probably will at some point, but not enough to not be spoiled. Go for it. It's it's there's not even anything to really spoil about it because it's a, it's a rom com. Right? Yeah, okay. And so so it's not a, it, it's just there it's just that these characters are fun. I like the actors. I've loved Randall Park and everything I've ever seen him in. He is he's the uh, guy who in Ant Man. It's his. Uh, it is it's Scott's parole officer the guy who's always trying to break in on him uh and rush in with the from the government he's the dad from fresh off the boat and he's just he's great and then ali wong is just a hilarious comedian in her own right and just like i've always watched her stand-up specials and she's great and she is phenomenal in this movie like i just love love her and the best part of it though is that keanu reeves is in this movie keanu reeves is in this movie as keanu reeves oh i didn't and know that part that's funny I love when actors play themselves in movies because it always ends up being so ridiculous in uh, in terms of just who they are and, and what kind of personalities they have. It's just exaggerated in 
it's just exaggerated exponentially to where it, it's just absurdist. And so it does that in this. Like Keanu Reeves is so magnificent in this movie that it made me go watch John Wick the next night. <laughs> like, like I wanted to watch Keanu Reeves movies, and I know everyone, uh, John Wick is out right now. John Wick 3 is in the theater right now. And so I was like, I have to watch this. And so Jennifer and I sat and watched it, and uh, we loved it. We really, really did. Like I said earlier, it made me want to go watch 2 and 3 really, really soon. And um, I can't say that if uh, somebody had, you know, somebody killed my puppy, I can't say I wouldn't have done the same thing. Yes, I'm sure you would be just as good at it as he is. I would be. Oh, I would be terrible at it. I would not be good at it. But also that movie kind of makes me look at it and be like, I kind of wish people were scared of me like that. Just say my name. And it's like, nope, I'm done. But uh, I mean, I don't really. But at the same time, it's like that would be an ego thing. It's like just say your name and everybody's like, nope, step back. But and then the rest of my geekery is actually ties more into yours. So since it's Final Fantasy 14. Yeah, let's talk about Final Fantasy 14. So I've been playing a bunch and you got back into it. Like as soon as we finished the episode last week, you texted me a picture within 24 hours of you yeah. playing because you had resubscribed. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I wanted to play uh, after thinking about some of the stuff you said, think about how much I loved the game. I decided to resubscribe to it. Uh, I've been playing a little bit, playing through the ma main story quest that I know you've already done. And right now it's kind of boring me. Like as engaged as you were over the weekend, I am skipping so many of those scenes. Like I just, some of them I'm watching, don't get me wrong, but right now I'm so bored by most of it. And I think it's because of the distance that I have between the beginning of the expansion and now where I've lost the momentum. And I just feel so disconnected from that story outside of just, just individual threads that when it's not dealing with that, then I'm... I'm just going to skip ahead until I get to that. So we've talked about how the like I don't really rewatch things that often or replay right. things. And I think part of it is that I have a really good contextual memory. I'm not good at memorizing things. If you ask me for something just like rote memorization, chances are I don't have it at my beck and call. But if you start talking to me about something and I get a little bit of context around it, my memory kicks in and I can like talk around it intelligently. The same thing happens to me with stories. I can start a story and come back to it literal years later and pick up the threads after not a whole lot of time. So coming back to this after a year and a half since we played Shad or uh, since we played Stormblood, the last expansion, it only took me probably half an hour to pick up all of the story threads and know exactly what was going on again. If even it didn't take long for me at all. And as soon as I did, I was like back into it and I was fully invested. And that's maybe one of the reasons that like, this game keeps pulling me back in because the story is so strong and I love the story in this game so much. Like I love how it keeps the context of everything you've ever done in every previous expansion. And like even the original pieces of content, it knows like what raids you've been in, you know, it doesn't dramatically change depending on like all the content you've touched, but right. it definitely touches on everything you've ever done on the main story quest since the very beginning. And it brings all those things back up. So you'll see a character and they're like, oh, yeah, that person. And you're like, I don't remember who this is because you played, you know, they were like three main story quests and it happened 200 hours ago. But yeah, they managed to bring them back up. And then once you start to like talk to them and you like see like, OK, I remember this person now. It's just incredible that they're able to tie things back so far to old content and then use that to push it forward with greater context. So 
it's just so much better done than every other MMO. Like, there are these huge political, like, machinations and ramifications that are happening in between the two pat or not the two, two patches, but between the two expansions. And having that context is super, super interesting because it's kind of like political maneuvering, but what's going to happen? And we got to work with these other countries. They don't call them countries, but, um, right. And stuff like that. You know, it almost reminds me of, it's not like game of Thrones, but it also is, it's a little bit like game of Thrones. It's like that political maneuvering and thinking through the consequences of things. And, I like it. I like it a lot. And, you know, it all ties back to the characters, too. Like, the characters are part of it, but kind of the in-between these two expansions, a lot of it was, like, politically driven, and I was surprised by how much I liked it. But even with that said, even if you just look at the character parts of the story, they're so much better done than, like, any other MMO on the mo- in the market. I'm just constantly impressed. And the story is definitely what keeps me coming back over and over after long absences. Oh, yeah, for sure. It is. The characters are the one. Those are the threads that I care about. I want to know what's going on with Thancred and how he gets into the point where he's a gunbreaker in the next expansion. I really I see, you know, Alphano and Alice and I'm like, I care about those twins. I care about their story and and Gosetsu. And I'm I'm really sad whenever he uh, whenever what. I don't actually even want to spoil it for people on this one. Whenever what happens, happens, and he he he's sad. I'm like, I'm sad for you. I like you. And it's, uh, I just, I like the characters, but it's just the overall story I haven't been interested in. But I think as I move forward, as they get closer to the Shadowbringers actual expansion story, where they're bridging it in specifically, dealing with like the Warrior of Darkness, those are the ones that I'm interested in. That's where I got super interested at the end of Stormblood as well, and they haven't done nearly as much with it as I'd hoped. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the politics ending a little bit actually or at least shifting focus over into tying that stuff back in yeah and it ties more to the characters as you go further along it feels like they do a lot of wrap-up stuff to get it into a really good place for the new expansion which was pretty much true of the last expansion too yep and that was when i got interested more in the heavensward story too is toward the end when they did exactly that and like I'm still playing the Red Mage. Like that's the one that I'm I'm probably gonna end up going into the expansion with again because that's my highest one. And I've been wanting to go try out the blue mage. Have you tried blue yet? No, it's not really like the other jobs. It's like a right. side activity for fun. It's not like a core job to the game. Yeah, it goes up to level fifty and it's basically a single player thing that you do, but you can do it and go into duties with it and everything. And I wanna try it. It seems like it could be a lot of fun. And I also wanna get my white mage up to seventy so that he can go well, not he anymore. I, I changed uh where she can go into uh Shadowbringers and actually heal because I still find myself getting bored with DPS. Uh and I I feel like I would like to do white mage a lot more again but i doubt either is going to happen before the 28th whenever uh whenever the early access comes in so i'll probably get through that stuff and uh and then go back and do it well i officially wrapped up the stormblood patch content so i'm like 100 percent ready for shadowbringers you know i did all of the content there's no more main story quest for me until the expansion comes out so 
I'm kind of playing around at endgame. I want to probably do each raid one time with my main, which is a bard, which is DPS class. And then if I still have time before um, the expansion comes out, I'm probably going to do a very similar thing to you. I have a white mage sitting there that I have fun healing with that is not anywhere close to max level. So I might try to level that up a little, but I don't think I'm going to hit max level before the end of the month either. No, and I tried dark, not dark mage, dark knight today, and I eh, not really a big fan of it. I'd unlocked it, never really played, and I was like, yeah, this is isn't necessarily me so i just i liked it and but eh, it's it's something that i could go back and poke at but never going to be something i play or do dungeons with so we'll see how that goes that's the way i do with a lot of these classes yeah so. I, I mean that makes sense and then there's new classes that start at higher levels with a new expansion so it always gives you another chance to like try out yep. some new stuff which is fun and as much as i loved as much as i absolutely adored red mage last time i'm really excited to see what gunbreaker is like them using gunblades i'm i haven't even watched a video that's one of them that i'm kind of going in i don't know anything about but i'm excited just because of the look yeah it's finally a tanking class that looks interesting to me and i'm yeah. like tanking oh, tank. when it's yeah, when it's the right class, I like tanking. So this might be a good one. If there were a class like the Paladin in World of Warcraft that I could use in Final Fantasy, then I would be there. It is, uh, I like AoE tanking, basically, and none of the ones I've played in this one so far, uh, my my fingies can't keep up with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, So other Final Fantasy stuff this week, which is kind of my only other main ge- geekery that I'm going to talk about today. Um, I... So you know that I've played through the whole series and I played through it in order as like an exercise that I wanted to do because I was interested in doing that. Yes. And I got the idea in my head with all of these like Final Fantasy remasters and remakes and stuff coming out. I was like, maybe I should do that again. That was a really fun project. I really enjoyed it. And it turns out that actually maybe one time through the whole series in chronological order is enough for one lifetime. (laughs) And it's like, I'm still super glad I did it. Like, I'm not going to disparage it as an activity and an exercise because I'm so glad I did it. It's just that I've done that already, right? So now when I go back to some of these, it's like, oh yeah, I remember exactly what this has to offer. Again, my contextual memory kicks in and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember all of this game as soon as I'm half an hour into it. And I just got in like i tried so in the last week or two i tried final fantasy one two three and four and every one like one through three i just got half an hour in and i bounced i bounced pretty hard because i was like oh yeah these aren't great and i remember exactly what they have to offer and i'm glad that i remember it and i have that memory but i don't need to play these again right four is always held up as one that's like this is the first time they really do story and they do it well so i gave that one a real shot like i probably put five hours into it but the combat is just way way too slow for my taste I wish that it had like the 2x or 4x gameplay speed boost, like, you know, the recent Final Fantasy 7 yep. or Final Fantasy 9 remakes or 12 has it also like that game could use it so much because the combat is just so slow. And if I could speed up the combat, I would probably do that. Um, Even so with if- auto battle, you because oh, I yeah. know I think that that has auto so you can even with that just automatically doing it it's too much for you if you so if you auto battle in Final Fantasy 4 and you just let it battle on its own it will not finish most battles before your phone falls asleep because you don't do input 
Like, that's how long a battle takes. Wow. I know. I forgot it was that long because it's been a long time since I played it. Is so, that the 3D version of it? That's the 3D version. Yep. Yeah, that combat is painfully slow because I was thinking of the 2D one on the Vita that I've got. I'm like, it's not that bad. But yeah, the, the 3D one is that combat is so slow. Yeah. So it looks like Final Fantasy V is the oldest Final Fantasy game that I'm going to willingly go back to regularly for future Final Fantasy visits and that's okay because now i know that i just didn't know that until i tried over the last couple weeks to go back even further and it it was interesting because i i was like am i just burned out on like the older style of final fantasy so i actually booted up five and i played a little bit and i was like oh no i still like this like this is a great game i love this and it's almost perfect timing because the final fantasy five four job fiesta is like two weeks away like pre-registration is open and it kicks off in a couple weeks here so I'm still super excited for it. I'm all registered. I'm ready to go. And I just went through one through four mentally and like checked them all off. So I'm I'm mentally prepared for five. And I think that's a pretty good thing. Yeah, I started on five again. I registered for the four job fiesta and I started five again to work my way up to the first crystal so that I can be ready whenever it comes out. Yeah, I have a save that I, I made the second year where I'm it's basically ready for uh the first class to get assigned so it's like i played Uh, all the way up through the first crystal um i beat the first crystal and i leveled a little bit without actually assigning a job so i'm sitting right outside the wind shrine and that's just a save that i have like on my cloud save for final fantasy 5 so i just pull that down every year and then i can immediately as soon as the fiesta kicks off i can tweet my first job at it and just get going awesome yeah that's a really good idea and i'm stealing that and just keeping a save file just down at the bottom yeah, of, no, you can uh, totally that. play the first half hour or 45 minutes of it and just beat the wind shrine and just don't assign a job and don't go any further in the story until the fiesta kicks off. Sounds like a really good idea. I knew you could do that, and so that's what I was doing. I didn't even think about saving the uh, the save file on its own, basically as a template for every year. Yeah, so I don't even have to do any prep this year. I just had to go and download my cloud save and make sure it was still there, and it was, so I'm ready for that. Fantastic. And you guys should definitely do it. It's for charity. And I signed up with Berserker Risk this year for the very first time I'm doing it. So we'll Good see how that goes. Luck. <laughs> okay, that's probably it for today. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links, and you can hang out with all of us and check out all the other stuff on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And you can now listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. We've been Void and Beege with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Thunder. <sighs>
everyone. I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie. Yes. Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello, friends. This is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch.